Hello and welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a podcast about news, culture, and stuff as it pertains to the most interesting city between San Francisco and Greeley. Today on the podcast, we discuss the Kirkland Museum's 15 Colorado Artists Breaking with Tradition exhibit, uh, the artist Christo planning on draping the Arkansas River, and 10 Things to Do in Colorado Before You Die. My name is Josh. I'm here with my co-hosts, Jared and Vanessa, and today our special guest from the Kirkland Museum is Maya Wright. Hello, everybody. Hey, Josh. Hello. So, uh, first off, let's talk about the Kirkland Museum's 15 Colorado Artists. Oh, wait, Josh, we may oh, yes. want to make a note about our new theme song, which uh, listeners heard at the top there. That was uh, suggested by Kyle Freeman on our Facebook page. It is called O Queen City by a band called The Houses. They're a, a local Denver band here, and it's a really awesome song about all things Denver. Yeah. Which is kind I'm of really like glad us. we're using a local band for this. I think it's great. I'm glad it's not Colorado Girls. Oh, anymore. well, yeah, of course. Although I am a little sad that it wasn't Colorado Bulldog by Mr. Big, but... I felt that was a little bit too aggro. You meant that snarky. We know that. <laughs> that was a serious suggestion? Oh, yeah. For, yeah. yeah, it was. I Definitely. really liked... Okay, so I liked the hip-hop song, but not the lyrics. So I was for taking the instrumental and using that as our song. Right. But, you know. You know. Houses is local, so that's Maybe we'll happens. rotate. Maybe this will be an annual thing. Well, yeah. Why can't we do that? Or, like, you know, if we have a special show, special it's music. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. 15 Colorado artists. Um, Maya, will you give us some background about the exhibit? Sure. The exhibition is on view through August 14th, and it highlights the work of 15 Colorado artists who were um, a group that founded them themselves in 1948 and caused a bit of controversy in town because they had a, a show at the same time as the local Denver Artists Guild who was thought of as being more traditional, and these were modern painters and uh, got a lot of press, 13 local uh, newspaper articles with crazy headlines like uh, showdown and artist range wars, things like that. So what was the controversy really, I mean, what was it about? Can you, can you go into that a little bit? Sure. Um, I think the controversy was really just about um, people using abstract art. This was something that wasn't really acceptable in Denver in 1948, and it's hard for us to imagine when we see the exhibition today. It seems really tame, but if you try to put on 1948 eyes and look at it, apparently it was really scandalous. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what are some of the paintings uh, in this exhibit that were so scandalous to the eyes of 1940s traditional <laughs> artists in Denver that caused such a stir? Well, again, for me, it's hard to imagine how controversial they'd be. Most of them are fairly realistic. Um, a painting of two lovers, and they're fully clothed, uh, just sitting next to each other. Um, Vance Kirkland was doing surrealist work at that time, so it was um, had lots of cloudy shapes and um, new sh new forms and colors that people hadn't seen in his work before, and um, it was hard for people in Denver to take at that time because the the art at that time you'd see a lot of what just drawings of horses, Native Americans looking off into the distance. Right, suddenly. that's something that the Kirkland Museum is trying to sort of combat the idea that Colorado art is just um, paintings of horses and. Um, cowboys and those things. And of course, we love that art as well, but it's great to be able to show the work of some more forward-thinking modern artists. So, go ahead. Go ahead. 
So was it really was is the controversy more like the the content or was it the style or was it both like you know was it because the lovers were you know they're not nude but they're still lovers or is it just like you know that these look like Picassos and you know Cezans and things like that? Right. I my guess would be that it was more about the style. There were um, two women. Well, there are four women in the group of fifteen, which is pretty remarkable, and two of them are sculptors, which is pretty rare. Um, there were ceramists, so a wide variety of art forms are represented in the exhibition. And um, yeah, I think just more and more abstracted forms um, were showing up, and that that was hard for people in Denver to understand. Although some people loved it, um, you know, many many people attended the the two exhibitions that were both at the Denver Art Museum at that time. It was at Chappelle House, and uh, you know, people went to both. To to I think they both got good publicity out of it. So how did this actually, the controversy, play out in the public? I mean, was there a public debate? I mean, were, people were passionate about this. It's, it's, kind of, it's kind of hard for us today to think about people being this worked up about art. I agree. It really is. Uh, the way that I've seen it was most played out was through the newspapers. As I said, there were these newspaper articles where um, the critics in the newspapers and also some editorials were writing these very um, strongly opinionated statements on both sides. Well, you actually you actually brought some. What were some of the headlines? Yes. Um, what's wrong with these pictures? If you don't know art, shut up. Um, <laughs> showdown in artist range wars. Things like that. Wow. So pretty strong opinions. There's also an article, well, the Denver Post ran full pages, one of representational art and one of modern art, so you could sort of see the difference in the paper. And also they ran, um, two of the artists wrote critiques of the other style of painting, and they ran those side by side. Wouldn't it be amazing to live in a time where, like, and a difference between styles of art would be such a humongous controversy as opposed to now where it's like, you know, some beautiful woman's baby goes missing and we, you know, turn our eyeballs inside out for three weeks on cable television. It was like this idea that here's a new style of art and this is going to be the, the huge cultural showdown in our society. I agree. I hope people will use this as an opportunity to see uh, what Colorado was like in 1948 in addition to what our beautiful art history is. Um, just getting into that mindset of why this would be so shocking has been part of what's so interesting to me. Is it is it really a lot different now? I mean, I'm not involved with the art scene very much here, but or art communities. But are, is there any kind of controversy or rejection of certain styles here that you see by now the more established or you know who the people who are showing and who are at the museums and who are you know is there is there anything akin to that right now? Um, not not to the controversial level that I'm aware of. Of course, we'll talk about Christo and that fits into that controversy. But um, in terms of the local artists, I think everyone wants to support each other, and I'm not aware of anything nearly as um, publicly controversial. Mm -hmm. I was always under the impression that the pop surrealists, mm -hmm. um, the lowbrow art, you know, is, is still sort of outsider-y. Is that the case? That's true. Um, people refer to outsider art as one field that you can study, mm -hmm. and that would be uh, people that um, are sort of outside the mainstream of of art and also often use craft and that's something that Kirkland Museum's collection having decorative art mixed with local um, fine art is trying to sort of challenge um, you can see these decorative pieces that are functional like tableware and things and then also paintings and sculpture so mm -hmm. you're right that that is somewhat of a controversy but not at Kirkland Museum right mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about the Kirkland Museum 
we're, we're at 1311 Pearl Street, and we have Vance Kirkland's estate collection. He's a Colorado painter that was a member of the 15, and um, his historic studio. And then we also have the work of other Colorado artists, beginning in about 1874 to the present, and a collection of decorative art. So you can see over 3,300 decorative art objects at any time. Frank Lloyd Wright tables, pottery, all sorts of things. Ashtrays. Ashtrays. Lots Don't of you have a huge glass case full of ashtrays? We have lots of ashtrays. Yeah. That they're often the best example of design during the Art Deco right. era because everyone smoked. It's right. interesting. It's the Mad Men era. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're into Mad Men, you should definitely come see our furniture. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sad that we only use uh, ashtrays now as like decorative art pieces and you have to find something to do with your ashtrays because no one smokes indoors anymore right. or no smokes at all so what, put like M&M's in them or Christmas cards <laughs> candies Christmas candies, card candies. okay so you um, moving on you had mentioned Cristo um, the Bureau of Land Management last week approved him um, doing six miles of shimmering polypropylene over the Arkansas River it's an exhibition that will run in 2014 for two weeks. They estimate um, 400,000 people will visit the river during that time. And it is an example of current controversy. Lots and lots of people don't like it. Um, what do you think of it? Is it is this an example, Maya, is this an example of current controversies? of mis- I mean, do people misunderstand this as art? I mean, there's a Denver Post, uh, I forget what the columnist's name, and what he's railing Scott against. Scott Willingsby. Willoughby. Yeah. Willoughby? Well, I'm pretty we'll, sure. we'll be, okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> We're often wrong. <laughs> his, uh, I mean, he's, his point is not so much uh, the environmental impact, but that it's not art. Right. And that was the first time I had heard that particular argument, and I've been reading about this for, like, you know, the past couple of years as it's been going on. Most people are coming out against it because of the traffic and the, you know, the bighorn sheep, the animals, the environmental right. impact, potentially. Um, but I had never heard that stated quite so um, aggressively that this is not art. Yeah. You know. Well, he's, I think I think what he's saying is that if we're going to say this is art, then everything's art. Right. Yeah. People have tried to use that through all of history. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I, I think anything you you see as art can be art, and that's an interesting way to look at it. But I don't know that that's a reason not to have it have Christo do his project. Right. From, a, from our perspective, I'm pretty excited. There aren't many places in the world that can have two Christo projects, you know, um, in such a short time frame. He did the Rifle Valley Curtain in 1972. Yeah. So I'm excited about the, it. The va- the Valley Curtain one only lasted 28 hours because the wind shredded it. Yeah, he's obviously advanced. He's accounting for wind this time. Because <laughs> it would be a really, really uh, poor thing if he does all this work and then one windy well, day. I mean, he's been planning this since 1996, since right. the mid-90s, and it's actually been moving forward as a project for probably the last 10 years. Privately funded, he's putting up all the money for it, he's been going through this this crazy bureaucrat- bureaucratic process, and I think that if there's any historical lesson here, is that if you want to do an, a large-scale outdoor project, don't do it on federal land where you are subject to all the processes where people who object to it can um, provide testimony. There's a million ways that you can you know, derail these projects by just forcing them into things like environmental impact statements. And it was, it's funny because that's one of the things that Christo brings up as one of the great things about this project. It's the only art project in the world that's ever undergone an EIS 
which I don't know if you guys have ever been witness to one of these things, but they are, they, they, they'll take so many years. There are these multi-million dollar studies devoted to it. And now that the Bureau of Land Management has actually given approval to this, there's really not that many more options that the opponents can take to try to, to, to bring this to a halt, um, which I think is a good thing. I cannot believe that there's been this much outcry over this. There's the Denver, or one of the, the, the Greeley uh, Tribune, or no, the Chieftain article, quoted the main opponent to this as calling this project a catastrophe. You know, like the, the language that they're using in this is so over the top. It's a bunch of fabric hung over a river and, you know, just in perspective of the types of things we're, we're building all over Colorado, huge highways, massive suburban sprawl developments, large-scale uh, oil and gas drilling rigs across thousands, hundreds of thousands of acres on federal land, and you guys are getting this worked up over something that is temporary and uh, is privately funded. I, art or not, why, why this? Why is this causing such a deep-seated resentment and anger? I think you've got a lot of, I mean, I don't know if you've been in this area, but it's like we're talking about the area between Salida and Canyon City, and there's a lot of, um, it's it's rural there. I mean, it is mountains, but it's mountain rural, and we're talking about people who, like, their li- their entire lives are right there. And so anything, any kind of excitement or anything that comes into the area is like, it takes over your life, you know, basically, you know, everything becomes about this one thing. Because everybody's talking about it, it's these you know big international artists like city people coming in and taking over and telling us what to do. From New York City, <laughs> I just say why don't why don't the locals just set up a lemonade stand? I mean, you can make bank. Well, they will. They stand to make a lot of money, and there's a lot of great art in the area. So I think that there's also you know a lot of opportunity to showcase more Colorado art while there's, you know, Cristo's coming through, like Salida's like got a little hub of art. Mm-hmm. Pueblo's got the Sangre de Cristo. Colorado Springs has the Fine Arts Museum. Like there's a lot of really good art between Denver and Santa Fe. Yeah, that would be great. I hope that that happens. I hope they can take full economic and artistic advantage of having this project. Yeah. There are a lot of people that are behind it. Hickenlooper's behind it. Mm-hmm. He's behind everything. Yeah, he's behind everything. So <laughs> the State uh, Parks Board. They're behind it. They're cool. Department of, Natu- <laughs> Department of Natural Resources is behind it, but they probably see this as you know a way of taking advantage of the Arkansas River as a natural resource for economics. Well, I, one of the other things that struck me about the argument that Scott Willoughby, Wallaby, <laughs> Willingsby made, he says, and I've, and I've heard this reflected in, in a number of statements, it's like the Arkansas River is already beautiful. It's already has this natural beauty. Why would you need to add anything to it to make it more beautiful than not and I can I guess I can see that from very hardcore outdoors people the river rafting people people that live in this area they don't want to see any change to it because it is beautiful but this project is not for them right this project is not for the locals that see this every day this project is for people that maybe they live in Denver or maybe they live Somewhere in else Europe. in Europe, for God's sakes, yeah. and they are going to come out here and see this and experience it in an, an entirely new way. So they might also go rafting while they're doing. I it. think. I mean, you why know, wouldn't you raft under it? I right? think that, that would be awesome. the best way to see it. Yeah. I think. I think the rafting is booked out. 
I really, I think, oh. I, I mean, I think I read this months ago that that rafting during those that two those two weeks, even before it was approved, has been booked out for years. Oh, that makes me sad. Yeah, but I mean, I imagine you can hike it. The people that are really upset about it are the fly fishermen because Arkansas is considered the most popular fly fishing that stretch of river in the state. And I don't know how high up it's going to be, but you're going to have to do some but low what did, casting. But what do the fish think wanna, about it? The fish? No one's asked the have fish. They, has anyone asked their opinion? I don't on think this? so. They're, I think they're going to be happy for the shade. <laughs> Back to the BLM. We need to get the constituency of the fish. I, for one, am really excited to see it. I'm, I, I regret missing Gates. Me too. Yeah. Um, in Central Park. I saw Gates. You did? Yeah, I, I, I flew to New York. And went there just specifically to see that project. I stayed there for a weekend, stayed in a hotel, hung out with friends. You know, it, it was a thing. It gave me an excuse to go to New York. And while I was there, I did all kinds of other stuff. I mean, you're going to see yeah. that same effect here in Colorado. Yeah. You fly into Denver, do things in Denver, drive down to um, drive down south and hit up all those places along the way. So the impact is, is a greater economic impact, for, I think, for the entire state rather than just you know, even even a select area geographically down there. But Chris is also, I mean, he's putting money into things like, you know, how, like traffic, part of the traffic, solving Control, the, the yeah. you know, uh, the traffic problems, which are already pretty bad in that area without this. But so he's putting money into like building, like, I don't know if it's roads or what, but he, like significant dollars into these projects that will be good for the local area. So, I mean, they get to live with it afterwards. After everybody's gone, they'll have, you know, updated roads that the, the state's not doing for them. So, I, you know, I think it's it's a little, it's a lot of crying from a small group of people. I agree. I think I think the diatribe sounds like we're all for it. Yes. For Mo- moving on, um, <laughs> some possible ideas presented by the Denver Post of what to do while you're here visiting Cristo. Um I had it brought up on the internet and then it went away. But this week the Denver Post Maya's got, a Maya's got it. This week the Denver Post offered ten things you should do in Colorado before you kick the bucket. This is the Colorado bucket list. Um, one of which is to roughly Arkansas. Um, here they are: board a train, navigate a mountain road, listen to elk bugle, touch dinosaur tracks. <laughs> Um, visit the sand dunes, dip into the Strawberry Park Hot Springs, visit Mesa Verde, uh, attend a concert at Red Rocks, and climb a 14er. I believe they're asking readers now what their bucket list is, so I was hoping maybe we could come up with. Some yeah, should we throw out our, our, our bucket list sure. suggestions? Sure, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to go first, and I don't know if I'm stealing anyone else's thunder, but you got to go to Casa Bonita. I have that on my I, list. I've heard to me that. as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was in... Uh, I was in San Francisco not too long ago, and I mentioned Denver, and uh, like five different people independently say, "Oh, Casa Bonita," yeah. because they've all seen the South Park episode, and um, you know that's one of the things that now Denver is known for. Yeah, and they what? There was Denver. some. There was a uh, a food show out of France, I want to say, that came, and they were doing mm-hmm. like the world's largest restaurants. Uh, and they did a taping recently at Casa Bonita. At what point does it become a historic? Does it get like historical designation? I wonder. I think it has to go away. <laughs> oh yeah, right. So and then it's history. Going there. Yeah. So, as long as it's still current, it's. It's a, yeah. We yeah. can't get protection. I have um, Busker on Pearl Street. Mm. Or at least good. try to hit a brother up for a nug on Pearl Street. <laughs> 
some sort of begging on Pearl Street. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm really kind of disappointed. There isn't any, we were talking about this before we started taping, and the, like, I'm more of an urban explorer, and they did list underneath, like, ten other things to do where it's like, go see cultural, go to our great cultural institutions, but they didn't name, like, you know, it's, like, nothing specific, or, like, go to a festival, but it's nothing specific. Right. And so, um, you know, I think they missed out. They're missing the boat on a lot of that stuff. And I didn't actually pick anything like that, but I did um, visit San Luis, which is the oldest city in Colorado. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's great, it's a great place to drive through, and there's awesome hot springs down there. And, um... You there's like no light, so you have to take your own lighting to go down there, and you can you know get in the hot springs naked, and they're really secretive, and it's fun. Um, but also Fiesta Day at the State Fair, that's another good one, and Bishop's Castle, which is in um, it's oh, the right. you know largest, or according to him, the largest man-made castle in the world, but made by one man. By one man. Yeah. Because they're all man-made. Yeah. But one man, sorry. Right. Yeah, one man, <laughs> one man made castle. Definitely worth seeing. Yeah. How about um, uh, Prairie Dog Shootout? <laughs> in Greeley? Yeah, you know, don't they have like the Prairie Dog Hunting Days where you just lie and I drink wine in your stomach and drink anymore. beer and wait for their heads to pop up like whack-a-mole? I, I don't think that's legal. Yeah, I, I, I don't think, think they do that right. anymore. I remember when they used to have it, but I well, feel like... Well, bring it back before I die. <laughs> I'm not sure I need to do that before I die. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to do something with beer, um, and the only thing I come up with is the Great American uh, Brew Fest. Or beer a bike fest. tour. Bike tour, yeah, because the beer Four fest times. is just nuts, I hear. I've never been, but it just seems like a big frat party to me. Yeah. But something with beer. We have great local microbreweries. We do. Yeah, bike tour, Fort Collins. Come on, Josh. Yeah, all right. What's on your bucket list, Maya? <laughs> Uh, well, I agree. I thought they missed out on Denver completely. Um, obviously, I think you should come to Kirkland Museum. But I, I also, in general, like all of the other wonderful arts things that are happening in town. There are great festivals. There's um, the Denver County Fair was last weekend, the stock show, all kinds of local things that I think should be included. Yeah. Rodeo. The rodeo. Excellent. All right. Well, yeah, I guess we'll move on to love and hate. Um, Jared, this week, what do you want to love on or hate on? Oh, I want to hate on the overusage of the word hipster, and I want to lobby everyone to join me in making an official pledge to completely stop using the word hipster. This came up this weekend because I had gone to the um, the Denver County Fair, the first Denver County Fair this weekend, and the Denver Post had this, like, stupid editorial about, you know, how it was a county fair, but it was a county fair for hipsters, and, uh, you know, as soon as the Denver Post editorial board starts using the word hipsters to act like they're hip, then that, that's one sign. Another sign was that my daughter, who's 12, uh, we watched the movie um, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and she kept, I don't know if she heard this from her friend, she was like, these are all a bunch of hipsters, 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 hipsters. So it's, <laughs> so it's gone on both ends of the spectrum. And, and I'm just like, it doesn't mean, the word doesn't mean anything anymore. It, you know, of course, it was originally a term that was the beatniks in the 1940s they're the hipsters and then it kind of was in the late 90s early 2000s it actually meant sort of a certain subclass of people but now it's been sort of blown up and expanded just to just to mean any vague person who may have a tattoo or may be interested it may just maybe even live in an urban place and not wear stuff from the gap all of a sudden you're a hipster and so i say i'm never gonna i'm gonna stop using that word um, derisively or positively, 
um, for anyone, and um, I invite any, everyone to join me. And also, we have to think of a new word to to call people who used to be hipsters, but now since the word doesn't mean anything. So that's my I agree opinion. 100%, and I'm interested to see what that new word is. But I, I don't think that the new word is going to be a blanket word. I think that we need to see these people for whatever niche they're in. I think there's probably already words. Okay. What is the evolution of the H word? I don't know. Yeah. But there's nothing worse than an aging hipster. Where's that from? Is that from like Austin Powers or something? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you probably heard that reference like four years ago, right? right. When yeah. it was still like meant something. When the handbook came out, which was like ten years ago or something. Right. Or hipster bingo. Have you ever seen that? No. Oh, it's no. great. You play it at a coffee shop. So like if you see a trucker hat, you stamp your bingo corner. <laughs> so, you know? <laughs> Vanessa, what are you going to love on? Um, I'm going to hate on um, some douchebags in Parker who are, I think it's a group of, and I can't pull up my my internet right now, so um, a group of city leaders and developers who decided that they're going to, because they're in need of water, pull from, um, make a pipeline that pulls from the lower Arkansas in Lamar. And I think actually that the anglers outside of Canyon City, instead of, hating on Christo and this art project maybe need to take on the city of Parker instead. And, you know, this kind of, this story came out, and nobody in the lower Arkansas Valley even knew that these people were, like, planning to take their water. All of a sudden, one day it was in the Denver Post, and the next day people were like, what are you talking about? You're going to just come in here and take the water? Like, no, they haven't talked to anybody about it. So, yeah, I'm hating on those douchebags. Maya? Well, I want to love generally on the Colorado art scene, as I've already <coughs> talked about. I just think we have such a rich place with gallery owners and museums. But more specifically, I want to do a shout-out to Dana Kane, who did the Denver County Fair this weekend and runs the Denver Modernism Show the last weekend of August, which Kirkland Museum participates in and is always a ton of fun. So go, Dana. Yeah, I think I want to bail on mine now. <laughs> Well, because mine, mine was just, mine was just whiny, and it was, it was, it's about the. Um, oh, oh you have to, you have to start now. Wine away. Yeah, yeah but it's, back. it's unreasonable. I think it more had to do with my mood yesterday. But I did. I tried to go to the Denver County Fair, and I had been looking forward to it. And my girlfriend was going to enter into the sewing, um, and she went on Friday. And you know, it's her first year, and they're having trouble. And it took her forty-five minutes, and no one could tell her where to enter her stuff into the competition. And it was like labyrinth, and so she left. And then we were going to go down, and she was going to compete in the um, uh, paper, what did not paper tiger, the uh, fancy paper tiger. Tiger. fancy oh. tiger, yeah. Their 15-minute sewing competition. And, you know, the, $10 to get in, and then we get there, and there's charging for parking, and it was, we left. I bailed. And, you know, and, and my, so my you, curiosity is... are you hating is, on yourself? No, yeah, kind of. But, <laughs> but I mean, when you... It, it, if we go to other county fairs, do you have to pay for all this? Do you have to pay to get into the fair? Um, I think it depends. The Boulder County Fair is coming up this week, and I believe you do have to pay an entrance fee. You do. Uh, the Pueblo County Fair happened a couple of weeks ago, and you only had to pay for certain events. Right. And that's what I that's what I sort of expected. I thought that, you know, you pay for the food, you pay for the rides, you pay for events. But, you know, 10 bucks for parking yeah. and then and then 10 bucks. Yeah, to I get noticed. In. I mean, there were some issues with the Denver County Fair, namely the complete lack of any good food. Food sucked. Oh, that's too bad. But, but well, and I think I was really angry about this, but then I thought about it and it has to do definitely with um, the rules that the National Western Stock Show Complex places on them because they have their own concessionaires, which I think Ugh. disallowed them from bringing Ugh. in any outside thing. So it was like 
you know, I was looking forward to eating some, you know, local food, but it was just all the same, like, chicken fingers and, you know, nasty pizza. Um, but larger than that, I think, you know, it was the first year the people who put this together, um, you know, aren't professional <laughs> event organizers, and so hopefully they'll be able to solve a lot of the issues that arose um, yeah. and make it better. I'm stoked for it anyway. That's about all the love and hate we have for this week. Um, thank you for joining us. Do visit us on Facebook. Link to us at uh, DenverDiatribe.com. We are on Twitter at, at DenverDiatribe.com. Let us know what you think of our new theme song. And we'll see you next week. That's why I'm saying Oh, we can sit it